It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 165. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. So as a reminder, because I sometimes get asked this, why do we call it the TEH Podcast? Because it stands for Tech Enthusiast Hour. Now, we, we just got tired of saying all those words. And like any good technology endeavor, we had to use a TLA or a three-letter acronym. So <laughs> that's what that's all about. Every once in a while, I'm tempted to just say it's the TLA podcast, but that would be a different show. Yeah. Anyway, how's yes. things in Denver? Uh, things are, are great. How are things up in the Pacific Northwest? We have actually had some sunshine, although they're threatening to take it wow. away again. We had the one of the <laughs> wettest Mays on record. Um, it's like the second wettest May since records were taken. So, um, which, you know, lives up to, to Seattle's reputation, I suppose, as being a, a wet place. But for those of us who actually live here, um, it gets kind of dreary and depressing after a while. So we really, really enjoyed the sunshine for a few days. And like I said, now they're threatening to take it away. So we'll go back into our, mm. our wet depression. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see what's on our agenda today. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about Telegram. Yeah. Um, Telegram, for those that don't know, is the easiest way to think of it is, is as a WhatsApp competitor. Um, there are others, Facebook Messenger, Signal, Skype, um, any number of other uh, essentially instant messaging platforms. Uh, Telegram is uh, slightly unique. It, it's actually one of those things that is one of the two big ones that are recommended frequently for people who are very concerned about privacy and security. It's mm. one of the ones, for example, that embedded um, reporters and um, uh, journalists will use to keep their conversations private from prying eyes. Um, it is uh, completely open source. Um, like I said, it is independent. Unlike WhatsApp, WhatsApp is a good example of, if you didn't realize that WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, uh, mm -hmm. which gives it a completely different texture to your expectations of privacy. Whereas, um, uh, Telegram, like I said, is independent. It's secure. It's open source. Um, it's actually pretty cool. I've been using it for a little while. Um, the, the one uh, uh, concern that gets occasionally raised about Telegram, and I actually heard about this a couple of times during the um, Ukrainian war, is that it's headquartered in Russia. Well, no, it's not. It started in Russia. It actually started by, it was started by some folks in St. Petersburg, but uh, they left Russia specifically because of some of the requests that they were apparently getting from the Russian government. So they, and my, my take is that they did the right things rather than cave uh -huh. to um, you know, the potentially privacy invading or invasive uh, requirements of the government of where they were located, they changed where they were located. Um, they are currently, I think, located in Dubai, uh, but they've actually had several different headquarters and they actually state in their FAQ, which I will link to, uh, of course, in the show notes, that, uh, you know, they're up to move again if they need to. Um, they're, they're, it's not that big a deal for them, apparently, which is kind of oh. cool. It's kind of no, nice to know that, uh, I mean, for anybody, you know, changing countries is a pretty big deal. So actually- yeah maintaining that as something that you're willing to do to keep the application you are working on um, as secure as possible, as private as possible, is actually pretty cool. Uh, it, it coincidentally, after I wrote up the, the notes that I'm using today, 
uh, I stumbled across something that said Telegram is introducing a, uh, a premium package. Telegram is currently completely free. There are no ads, no nothing. Um, it's, it's a fine experience. I mean, it's, it's an instant messaging program. You can do instant messages with it. You can do voice calls with it, all that kind of stuff. Um, the, there are a few limitations, like you can't upload a file greater than two gigabytes. Um, not that something you want to do very often, but, yeah. um, but you know, the premium lets you do a few more things. Apparently they may have some fairly non-intrusive ads added to the free feeds at some point. And of course the premium would make that go away, but that's all new and just on the horizon. It's not out yet. Um, but anyway, I, one of the reasons that came up is because of uh, the, the stuff going on in Ukraine. I kept hearing over and over again, how there was information being distributed out of the Ukraine by people using telegram, uh, which is why we investigated the Russian connection, because it seems like it would be against Russians best interests to allow that to happen. Well, Russian doesn't have a say in the matter anymore, which is nice. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of stuff. I, I joined a couple of channels there, uh, you know, providing information on what's going on out there. Now I've you know, joined a couple of other channels, announcement only channels also that, um, uh, you know, share information on various topics. Anyway, you know, there's no algorithm. You get what you sign up for and nothing else. And it's just, a, it's a nice experience. Um, it's telegram.org if you aren't using it already. And I actually went ahead and created a telegram um, announcement channel. Um, it's, you'll find it at um, askleo.com slash telegram. And what it is, is announcements, obviously of new articles, other random things that I run across during the day. Um, uh, telegram lets you have announcement channels, they let you have discussion channels, and they let you do you know, person to person um, uh, conversations like any instant messaging program. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that as something interesting, something that I'm playing with, experimenting with right now, and that perhaps some of our listeners might want to play with as well. Now, when you say you set up a, um, you know, a, your announcement channel kind of thing, is there any API or anything that uh, helps you with that? Or do you have to manually? In So in theory, there is an API for Telegram, huh, okay. um, which uh, I'm sure... You love to play with APIs. It might be right up yes. your alley. What I'm surprised about, what I actually looked for was something in, say, um, Zapier or even if this, then that, to see if mm -hmm. they had anything hooked up to Telegram's API. And the answer seems to be no, at least not yet. Uh, so exactly what the API allows you to do or not to do, whether there's something that's preventing those, those um, higher level utilities from working, I honestly don't know. Uh, but yes, supposedly there's stuff you can play with there. Right now, my announcement only channel is, you know, when I get up in the morning and something is published, I'll copy paste it and put it put it out in the, onto the channel. And then if something interesting happens during the day, uh, like a few minutes ago, I posted a a, a progress indicator of a a check disk file system check on an eight terabyte drive that looks to complete in about five days. Uh, I just thought, you know, that kind of stuff is kind of fun to fun to share as well. So that's what I'm doing. That's how that's how I'm doing it right now. It's just purely manual. If it comes up to be uh, uh, significantly more useful, or you know, you tell me that the API is a piece of cake, then maybe I'll do that. I do think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I was looking at the uh, clients that they have available, and of course they have you know Android and iPhone and Mac and PC clients. Um, they apparently have a Linux command line client. Uh, which is not official, but it's out there. And I'm wondering if uh, that kind of command line client uh, might be another way of making some of the automation happen. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of new stuff, I understand yeah. you have a lot to talk about today. We <laughs> finally know what the, what the name is going to be. Yeah. Oh, for the next version of Mac OS. Yeah. Ventura, yes. which is a good one. It's one of those ones where you hear it and you're like, well, yeah, obviously why wasn't, why weren't people predicting that? Cause that's a nice sounding <laughs> name for an operating system right? and uh, you know, easy to differentiate. Unlike say Mojave and Monterey, which kind of, you know, M's and you know, they kind of sound similar, you know, Ventura is kind of nice, right. uh, but yeah, Apple had its, it wells right now, as we speak, having its worldwide developers conference, which is typically an event for developers. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that's going on there is stuff about new APIs and new ways to develop apps and changes to the app store and things like that. Um, that's what the bulk of the week is about. But at the beginning, they do start off with some announcements uh, that include some of that stuff, but then also um, telling everybody about the new operating systems, not just Mac OS, but also iOS, uh, iPad OS, TV OS, watch OS, you know, all the operating systems that Apple has, what's coming in the next versions of those, which usually are released in the fall. So this begins the the time where we have the first betas for developers. Right. And right. then it will end in the fall when there's the released versions of these operating systems. And we find out about new features, which is of interest to the general public. And uh, you know, to see what's coming up. Sometimes some of the stuff is things that, you know, oh, here's something a developer can use. And so in the fall, there might not be anything new, but over the course of the next several months or years, there could be new stuff. Matter right. of fact, they announced, just as an example, one of the things they said is, you know, support for these pass keys, which is not just an Apple effort. It's an industry-wide effort to get away from passwords. And they announced that Mac OS Ventura and iOS 16 and all that will support these pass keys is that which, so? By pass keys, do you mean like um, uh, the FIDO compliant um, YubiKey type things? Something like that. I mean, really, lo- basically, they're really, really long passwords <laughs> that you would never ever type, right? And the idea is you would never even know them, right? Because you know, so because if you don't know the password, you can't give it up in a phishing attack, right? You know? Or you're, or you're with maybe somewhere along the way of reading out the hundreds of characters that make up the passkey, you would realize, hey, wait a minute, this isn't you know Facebook.com, it's Lacebook.com or whatever. You know. So are these hardware keys or? So no, these would be software keys. They'd basically okay, okay. pass keys for passwords, okay. um, and they wouldn't necessarily. They would work with two-factor authentication, I would assume, and mm-hmm. and all of that. But you know, just the idea there that you know that was something Apple introduced that uh, there's a little bit of buzz. But that's going to be years. You know, right. the, the that coming to fruition may be five years from now. We may be looking at like, oh, we only use passwords on old sites and sites that you know haven't updated stuff like that. And it's passkeys is the future. Not something in October suddenly we'll be using passkeys. You know, probably right. in October we won't be using passkeys at all. Right. Um, but a lot of the other features there, of course, they also announced a new hardware, which is right. uh, uh, so. And this is interesting territory for Apple. So. Typically, when new processors come out, the general public has no idea what they're called, right? Uh-huh. They don't know what the new Intel processor is called, you know, what it is, you know, oh, the i5, 3, 8, 9, 2, you know, they don't know any of that stuff. They don't even know that it's like Comet Lake or whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. They just know it's a, 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 you know, since the Pentium processor, which is probably the last one anybody knew the name of, uh, there's just new processors and you assume you get a laptop or desktop it's got the latest processor in it 
But then Apple comes out and Apple is, you know, much better at marketing than companies like Intel. <laughs> so they go and they say new processor and we're calling it the M1. And now the M1 becomes this term that everybody knows. There's the M1 processor, which is fine and great for Apple, you know, boast, uh, boasting about its, uh, you know, new processor and all that. But now it becomes a problem because now there's the M2, which is the new processor. And mm -hmm. there's a big misunderstanding of what the difference is between the M1 and the M2 and then the other M1 processors, the M1 Pro, the M1 Max, the M1 Ultra, because it seems to make sense that they're all in line as to which one's best, right? You would have the M1's the original, then right. there was the M1 Pro, then there's the M1 Max and the M1 Ultra, and now the M2. So the M2 goes to the end of the line. It's the latest and greatest, but that's not true oh, because man. the the M1 is uh, the M2 is the successor to the M1 processor. Comparing it to the M1 Pro, M1 Max, or M1 Ultra doesn't make any sense to do that. It's nowhere near as good as those. Interesting. The, and the analogy that I would I'm I'm trying to you know hone for you know use in responding to people is think of cars. Think of B BMWs. You have BMW uh, like their Series Three, right? Right. Which is their more consumer model. BMW. Right. And you've got the BMW Series 8, which is luxury, really high end. Right. And there's a huge difference in price, right? Right. Now, if you're looking at all the 2022 BMWs, you would know that, oh, at the low end, we've got the Series 3. At the high end, we got the Series 8. Great. Now it's 2023. And you would not think for a second that, oh, a 2023 Series 3 is better than a 2022 Series 8. It's not, right? Not a, you know, it's the thirty thousand dollar car versus the eighty thousand dollar car. Obviously, the lux, you know, the high end luxury vehicle from the year before is still the high end luxury vehicle, even if you have a new year number on, you know, on the low right. end model this year. Right. So, and and for technical terms, you can look at something really simple inside. It's the the unified memory bandwidth. So, how fast bytes get thrown around inside the processor. Mm -hmm. The M1 was basically about 67 gigabytes per second. Okay. And the M2 is an improvement on that. It's 100 gigabytes per second. Okay. So a 50% improvement on the M1, which you would expect going one generation to the next. Sure. The, the, the size of the transistors got smaller. You know, the nanometers that they measure Yikes. Um, them in is a smaller processor. So... You've got that, but the M1 Pro is 200 gigabytes per second. The okay. M1 Max is 400, and the <laughs> M1 Ultra is 800. So if you compare that to the M2, which is just at 100, you can see clearly that getting like a Mac Studio now, with like I have, like with the M1 Ultra, is far better right. than say getting the you know the new MacBook Air that'll be coming out with the M2 in it. You know, the M2 is in the lane of the M1. It's that type of thing. Whereas eventually there will probably be an M2 Pro, M2 Max, and M2 Ultra mm -hmm. to match the M1s. And they will all be, you know, probably 50% better uh, than the, the previous models. But it doesn't make sense to go and say, oh, I was going to get, you know, the, the really high-end, you know, M1 Ultra MacBook Pro, but now I'll just get the M2 MacBook Air. No, there's a reason that 
right. the first cost five thousand dollars if you <laughs> you know put all the stuff into it, and the new MacBook Air is eleven you know ninety nine. So yeah, it's but it you know it's it's Apple's kind of a victim of its own marketing success there I think in causing confusion because it sounds like M2 should be better than any M1 <laughs> and that's not the case, right? It's still the same architecture, it's still the same basic stuff, right. but there's clearly more going on. Like for instance, the M2 can have up to 24 gigs of RAM and the M1 right. can have up to 16 gigs of RAM. So an improvement of the amount of RAM that the processor can handle. But right. the Pro Max and Ultra already can handle way more RAM than that. But it's oh. it, it kind of makes it sound like the M2 is an M1 Pro, for example. Yeah, I know. And that confuses things further, right? I know. There is it's, an M1 it's just, Pro yeah. that's better than an M1 than an M2, right? So you almost have to look at it as generations, and then each generation has its speeds, right? Right. And you know, the M1 Ultra is like getting a Mercedes or, or a BMW Series Eight. Right, you know, high-end car. It's still really good this year, and all they've come out with so far the next year is the low-end Series Three. Right, you know, for the 2023s. So you, you know, and you're not. Nobody's going to go and say, "I'm going to trade my Series Eight in for a Series Three because it's better." Because it's not. Series Eight is clearly going to be the higher-end car. But it, but it it almost feels like they've been adding. Um, uh, they've been improving the series three equivalent so that now it's getting pretty close to a series five. Say, yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's hard. It is hard to, you know, going a low end MacBook pro that has an M one pro in it and a new MacBook pro that has the M two in it, you know, it's comparable. You still have, you know, the app, you still have twice the unified memory bandwidth right. in the M one pro than you do the M two, but it's better than the m1 the plain m1 processor so you know you're a little closer um it's yeah, confusing no, it'll it, take it'll take a generation for people to understand that that's the case and that they shouldn't cancel their order for their their m1 pro so know. what what i'm hoping that they end up doing uh, because obviously with a moniker like m1 and m2 we can probably reasonably assume that someday there might be an m3 or an m4 yeah sure um that they keep this structure yes. right so that you know there's an m1 pro max and ultra there's an m2 pro max and ultra eventually there's an m3 pro max and ultra the problem i think that's something that it, it will take time right yeah. the marketing message needs to be clarified but it will take time and it could stick right people could could finally understand it unlike intel which seems to be going off in half a dozen different directions with each new processor family. Right. Um, there's just no way to actually know from a processor name or necessarily even a model number exactly what the heck it is you're getting until you suddenly get down into the nitty gritty details. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And I expect I'm gonna have to keep explaining it uh, for a while now. Um, but uh, you know, they did, uh, the M2 processor is getting thrown into two new machines, one of which was heavily predicted, a new MacBook Air mm -hmm. design. It's a flat design, not tapered. It's got uh, four colors, including the color everybody is drooling over, which is basically metallic black um, oh. it, with a black keyboard, black bevel bezels <laughs> around the screen. It's just, it looks so cool. Uh, and uh, no doubt, that's definitely what I'm going to be getting. I've been looking to go from you know for my macbook to go down to the macbook air level for mm -hmm. lightness and portability 
Right. And uh, this is definitely the time to do it. I cannot wait till they they you finally have it available for order, which should be a week or two, maybe. I don't okay. know. They said it'll be out next month. So I'm hoping in a week or two, you can order it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a really popular machine. I mean, the, the four colors they offer really give, you know, what everybody might want. It's light. It's cheap. I mean, it's $1,199 is the low-end one, um, which is great. I really expected. I thought Apple was going to take a price jump, you know, with inflation. Mm-hmm. And they did. I think it is up 100 bucks, But I really thought they were going to, you know, go up much higher. And I was so surprised they didn't. Um, the confusing thing is, is they, they did decide to come out with a 13-inch MacBook Pro. That has the M2 chip in it. That's mm-hmm. identical to the existing 13-inch MacBook Pro that has the M1 chip in it. What's confusing about that is, is that everybody, me included, assumed that there was not going to be any more 13-inch MacBook Pro. They released 14 and 16-inch models. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, why would they have a 13-inch model when there's a 14-inch model? Right, right. And also a MacBook Air. You know, it's like, why, what is the little narrow squeezed area in between those two things? And it has a touch bar, which Apple didn't put on the higher end macbook pros like uh, yeah i thought they weren't going to do that anymore yeah the only thing you know a lot of people say and i know this is wrong that oh they had a whole bunch of leftover 13 inch macbook pros they're swapping (laughs) the processor out and trying to sell them at clearance or whatever but apple doesn't do that right apple i mean you buy a you know you buy an iphone 11 now it's a new iphone 11 that's rolling off of some you know factory apple doesn't stock Right. So, right, right, right. But they do stock parts, right? I mean, there could be that they have a lot of chassis that they've got, maybe a lot of other, you know, the keyboard with the touch bar. Maybe they've got a little excess of that. Uh, maybe they just, you know, there is a cost to redesigning it completely, mm-hmm. saying we'll do a 13 inch MacBook Pro, but with no touch bar. And oh, we have to re engineer that. We have to have new parts. We have to have new quality control. We have to, you know, all this stuff. I don't know. I'm still I'm still surprised that they're doing it. I'm sure Apple knows way more than everybody, including me, who's speculating as to why they're doing it. Right. You know, they probably just say, hey, we're gonna sell, you know, four hundred thousand of these. <laughs> you know, our model show we'll sell four hundred thousand of these. And there's no way our model is wrong. And there's no way we're not doing it knowing that our model tells us that. Right. And it could just right. be something simple like that. It might also be the case that it's not 400,000, maybe it's 4,000. And given what they already have in terms of sunk cost on existing design and parts or whatever, yeah. that might be enough to break even, right? That might be enough for them to make money. So who knows? Could be. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah. um, but anyway, so so yeah, that's the hardware. New MacBook Airs will come out and then, and then we'll slowly get everything else like the Mac Mini and the iMacs updated over the next you know, year, year and a half. Um, as the new versions of the processor come out, um, as for the operating system, you know, Ventura has got some neat stuff in it. I was going to ask what kind of things that the, uh, you know, your, your Mac users, not the developers, but the users would actually care about. Yeah. One thing they're doing is they, they, they're introducing a new multitasking feature called a stage manager. And the interesting thing about it is it looks like it's really designed for the iPad. And it is indeed an, a Mac and iPad feature. So multitasking on the iPad has always been clunky and they keep trying to improve it. Right. And this is the latest attempt to do that. And what Stage Manager is, is allows you to basically have one or more big windows on the right. And then like a little list of windows that are open on the left and easily switch between them. 
it's really hard to describe. You almost have to see it. And even seeing it doesn't really do it justice because I used it. I have the the beta installed on a on a Mac. I right. used it and I was surprised that instead of trying it out for 10 minutes and saying, okay, let me turn it off now. <laughs> I tried it out for 10 minutes and then I just continued working with it on mm-hmm. for hours. Like I didn't feel like I needed to get rid of that and go back to what I'm used to. Um, but it's, it feels very much like this is the solution for multitasking in the iPad, but Hey, let's also put exactly the same thing on the Mac. So the multitasking solution for Mac and iPad is the same Now they didn't remove any multitasking stuff in the Mac. You can still do all sorts of multiple desktops and app switching and all of that. Everything is still there, right? But this is like another option for you to use. And it's kind of neat. And, um, the it brings just- the iPad and the Mac closer together. The way you describe it, though, it almost sounds like, to use the Windows term, a taskbar, or in in the Mac world, kind of the dock, right? It's yeah, like- it, it, well, people have have called it like a a vertical dock on the left side. It only has the what you're using, and it is very window oriented, and you can also group things together. So, for instance, if I have, uh, say, reminders and notes open, mm-hmm. and they're both two separate things there in Stage Manager, I can actually combine them. And there's and they're one and there's one little thing and it has two icons on the left and when I switch mm-hmm. to it I get both those both. windows. Okay, that's kind of cool. So it's kind of an interesting way to go about it, and it also works really well with multiple screens and multiple desktops. So you go to a different desktop and it has Stage Manager and it's got a couple different apps on it, and you have two screens on your desktop. They both have Stage Manager and they've got different apps showing on it. So it kind of works, I think, in the way that people are going to want it to work. Um, it, it'll funny. be interesting. It doesn't sound like something that that was really needed for the Mac. Yeah. Um, but definitely I, I get it for the for the iPad. Um uh, I yeah, yeah. It's funny because there's so many things that we end up doing, so many workflows that involve multiple apps together, uh, being able to group them and bring them forward and back as a group um, makes a lot of sense. And again, this starts to sound a lot like a virtual or multiple desktops um, on the Mac or PC side. Yeah, it's almost like it's the space between virtual desktops and app switching. Right. It's kind of halfway in between there, which is interesting because it that means it may actually become a preferred solution for a lot of people who, you know, the desktops thing was too much. It's like, I don't want to go completely away from all this stuff to another desktop. Right. You know, I'm still working with these apps over here, you know, but at the same time, app switching was like, oh, now I've got 15 apps, you know, with windows all over this one screen. This is kind of like a way to be in between that. Oh, I still see the 15 windows. They're on the left, but I'm only dealing with these two right now. Right. And now I can click over here. Now I'm just dealing with this one. So you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, other things that they've introduced, just tons of stuff across the board. Uh, mail is getting stuff like schedule send and undo send, <laughs> uh, which is kind of neat. And if so, so let me, let me make sure. Cause I get this yes. one all the time. Yes. Um, undo send is not really undo send. No, it is, it is delay not. send. Yes. Okay. 10 second delay okay. on send, which to be fair, Oh, that helps a lot lot of people, you bet. But it doesn't solve what people often ask for, which is, I sent this email yesterday and now I realized it was a mistake. How do I get it back? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not going to do, nothing's going to do that. Right. Um, (laughs) But schedule send is really useful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, and also follow, uh, basically a follow-up or it's like a snooze button. 
you could go and say, remind me, it's called remind me. You can remind, mm-hmm. remind me of this email in an hour or tonight or tomorrow. Yep. And then you can get your inbox cleared out mm-hmm. and not have to be like, oh, I, I, I can't deal with this now. I have to do it tomorrow morning, yet it's in my inbox. That bugs me. So I'm going to be using that a lot. Um, there are... <laughs> Uh, let's see what else have they've got. They, you know, they've improved some stuff in tab groups in Safari. Uh, messages also gets an undo and a um, edit function, which works in iMessage. This is where Apple actually owns a large portion of the ecosystem, right? right. A lot of people just are doing iMessage between other Apple users. And, you know, the blue bubbles as opposed to the green bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> and so since Apple owns that, they can actually have edited messages and where you could make that mistake. And, you know, my wife and I do this all the time. We'll send a text with a mistake in it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll send the next message is the one word that obviously was wrong. Yes. And now you don't have to do that. Now you can go in and actually edit the original message. And it says under it, like the person receiving it actually says edited message. Right. And I think you can click on it to see the original, but I'm not sure. The edit, the edit history, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna do edit and those kinds of things, I think it's important that it be visible and and that the history be visible. Yeah, it's definitely visible. What I haven't been able to do yet is test it with two devices running the new stuff. Right. Because I just have the one device, so I send to another device, and it just gives you warnings saying, "Hey, they're using something older. Right. <laughs> it's not going to work. They're not going to see your edited message." Right. Um. So yeah. So soon, sooner, pretty soon, I'll have a maybe an iPhone all up, update to iOS 16 and be able to send back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, in photos, so they're adding a big new feature, one that I've been dying for. Um, they're adding something called iCloud Shared Photo Library. So the idea is you have your family, everybody takes pictures, everybody's got their separate iCloud photo album. Mm-hmm. And now you've got the problem where it was like, where's that great picture of us standing by the waterfall? Well, you got to figure out who took it. Right. It's in their library, right? What you could do is with a family group, this is really meant for families, but I guess you could do it among friends. I don't know. I don't think you would want to because it's just you have this one shared group. So you have this family group and everybody using it, every photo is either personal or shared. If it's personal, it means it's just in your collection. Right. If it's shared, that means everybody has it. Right. And it's not a shared album that's separate from everything else. It's just like everybody took that photo. We all have it in our, in our, um, you know, so you uh, could different o- only set up one of those, only one family, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. You set it up as one family group or you and your spouse or however, however you want to do it. And you can define how things get sent to, you know, how, how things are set to either personal or shared, lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, you can go and say, uh, hey, I want to. I want everything to be everything I've got so far shared, except starting at this date. <laughs> so you can start at a certain date and say, from the beginning of this year on, let's have it shared. Um, you could also do things like, hey, if I happen to be taking a photo, and other people from my family group are with me at the same mm-hmm. location, mm-hmm. that's shared. Otherwise, right. it goes to personal. That's kind of cool. And you can change it anytime you want. So you can take that personal photo and switch it to share or take the share and set it to personal, um, all of that. So it, it seems like a really elegant way of taking care of the problem of, you know, when you have a, a husband and wife or an extended family ha- having this like, you know, 
we want to see all our photos. It's just one. It, we used to have one photo album that sat on the coffee table. Now everybody's right. got their own personal thing. Well, now you can go back to everybody has shared photos. It's interesting because as, as early when you were describing it, I was thinking of something, I guess I would call a little bit more flexible. Um, so, you know, call just call this feature itis because this is the feature that I want. Um, I would like to be able to set these groups, have multiple different groups yeah, um, and set them up on the fly. So for example, let's say uh, you and I and a couple of friends uh, go to a conference together um, and we set up a sharing group for that event. Mm-hmm. That'd be well, cool. you can do that now. I mean, you can create a shared album now that, and then people can contribute to that shared album. So for- Okay. That's kind of solved, but it's the bigger, like we always want to have, we don't want to have, you know, a big shared album that all of our photos go into, right. You know, the shared album is kind of the exception. Hey, we, I went on a, uh, a vacation with a friend and we just want to share all our photos from that trip. That's like what we have now. This is kind of the long-term. We always want to share all of our photos unless, you know, there's certain photos that we don't want to, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Um, all right. Interesting. Yep. Uh, another big feature, and this is kind of cool that Apple actually went there, is um, you're going to be able to use your iPhone's camera as a webcam. I saw and that somewhere. Yeah. There have been third-party hacks for that for some third time. Third-party hacks. Yeah. This is going to be, first of all, it's the back camera, the good camera, um, <laughs> You know, not the front camera. Right. It's uh, wireless. Okay. You know, through an effortless, you know, through your Apple ID and it figures that it out stuff, that, yeah. oh, it's right there. Hey, okay, great. Um, and it should just work. I mean, it sounds like, you know, third-party apps and everything, it should just show up as another webcam. It also takes a lot of the advanced functionality they've been working on, like center stage, which makes the look like the camera is panning to follow yep. you around the room. Yep. Um, it even does this extreme thing called, uh, what are they called? Desk view, where because the ultra wide camera is so ultra wide mm-hmm. that when you have it mounted on top of your screen, it actually could see straight down almost. So desk view will set up a second, what appears to be a second camera, but it's of your desk or table or whatever it is. Like something is pointed down at it. So it's taking the wide angle view and it's adjusting it to make it look like the camera is actually floating where it isn't and show a straight down view. And so this for people that have that do like YouTube videos and for crafts and stuff. So let me show you how you put the whatever together. This is going to be amazing to be able to have that. It reminds me of my wife's car. She drives a, uh, a Toyota Highlander, and yeah. it's got multiple cameras around the side, you know, yes. all the usual things. But there's this blended image that they will throw up on the dashboard monitor that makes it look like you're looking down from on top of the car. It's great. I've seen that. It's great for parking. and um, But you know that all of the cameras are at such weird angles that there's a bunch of transformation happening to the image on the fly. So that's really cool. I know. It's really cool. And also even just for whiteboard, you know, think about, yes. you know, I, th- I think you're going to find a lot of people wanting to buy these little handheld whiteboards that you could sit on your desk yep. and draw with the marker, you know, or yep. just, of course, a notebook, piece of paper. Yep. And you could be in a, a meeting or whatever, and you could be jotting stuff down and people could see it, draw a diagram. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a really neat feature of using this. I just hope that they really let you as one option have a like uh, maybe a 4k view since the camera is capable of an 8k view. Mm -hmm. Um, But my fear is that, no, it's just going to be 1080, you know, Uh, which means I won't be able to use it to replace my whole setup 
because I'm doing 4K with my Sony camera. Mm -hmm. um, and any other solution, like using the great camera on the studio display I have now, um, doesn't work because it's only 1080. It's capable of more, but they're doing so much processing with center stage and portrait mode and all of that, mm -hmm. that they need all these extra pixels for these special features. So right. they don't give you the raw 4K video, which is what I actually want. They don't They don't have an option to turn those features off and just give you the raw data? Nope. Nope. They're, they just, I guess it's just too specialized of a thing. Interesting. And it's just, if you turn all that stuff off, you're just getting a nice 1080 view. Um, but it's like, oh, I know the camera's above 4K. It's just above 4K. And these iPhone cameras are way above 4K. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it, it's going to be cool. And that'll be one of the first things I test out as soon as I upgrade an iPhone. Because obviously the iPhone's got to be iOS 16 to match the macOS Ventura. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of other uh, stuff. System preferences on Mac is now going to be called system settings. And it's been completely revamped to look a lot like what we're used to on the iPhone and iPad. Okay. So everything's lists. You have a list of categories. And they go down into a list of settings, <laughs> which is it's, good. It's, it's funny because um, one of the differences between uh, the settings app in Windows 10 and Windows 11 is that Windows 11 is much more list-like. Yeah. Well, I think... There's a natural, that's like the, I, I don't know, that's the best form for it simply because with, in the past, they had these nicely formatted windows with different controls on it, which yes. are great until you have a new version that has to add like three checkboxes. It's like, oh, we have to redesign this little control yep. here. Yep. Where do we put those three checkboxes? Um, if, if everything's in like a list view, you just add it into the list. Yep, you expand the list. Yep, make the expand list the list. Um, um, I also think that specifically for things like Windows and now Mac OS, um, I think they might be acknowledging that people are spending so much more time on their mobile device that the list format is already more natural to them. And then switching back to a desktop, giving them something that they're already at least conceptually familiar with is making it a little bit easier. Right, right, yeah. Um, let's see, Apple's finally bringing the clock app and the weather app to the Mac. Um, and I believe that, I believe the weather apps also go into the iPad, uh, which a lot of people have been dying for, but the clock app on the Mac is a big thing. Not because we need to see clocks. We ac actually had them as widgets, but because the clock app is where you can set timers. So the Mac actually had no real easy default functionality for setting a simple 15 minute timer. Really? So if you ask Siri now in macOS Monterey to set a timer, it's like, can't do it. If you, you can get a third party app, of course, you know, <laughs> but you couldn't set a timer because there was no timer function in anything. You could go to reminders and you could say, oh, you know, set a reminder for 15 minutes from now, you know, right. create a reminder that then is a notification. And then you have to say, I've done it. And it's in a list. It's completed. But just having a simple timer or simple alarm, you know, are, these are parts of the clock app. And now we'll have those across all the different Apple platforms, which is great. Uh, weather is sure. That's nice to have. I mean, it is, it was weird that sometimes it, Instead of going to a website on my Mac, I'd pull out my iPhone and look at the weather app because it's so nice at this point mm -hmm. that now I, I could do it on the on the Mac. So that's kind of nice. Um, live text is another feature, which is an accessibility feature that basically tries to do what we're used to seeing on, you know, our, in our Zoom meetings, right. uh, where it shows the people's, you know, what people are saying mm -hmm. at live mm -hmm. uh, subtitles. Uh, live text is basically a system uh you know, a function for that. So you could use it, say, in FaceTime, 
to see what the other person's saying. You could use mm-hmm. it while watching a video if the mm-hmm. subtitles aren't available. Uh, you can actually do it with live microphone um, audio. So you could talk and you could see your words on the screen. Right. Uh, or more likely, it's somebody else talking in the room and then you can see what they say. It's far from perfect in the beta here. <laughs> it right. makes laughable mistakes. Um, but uh, I'm sure they'll be, you know, I'm sure they'll be better. I mean, better. they tend to do really good stuff. I've been using, um, is that, didn't Mac already have some form of dictation software? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's uh, dic- and dictation got better as well. There's actually two different forms of dictation on Macs, and both of those got improvements with this. Okay, cool. I've been using uh, dictation a lot on my, uh, my Android. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago. I actually use the, uh, the Google recorder app to do things like, uh, get me a transcript of a YouTube video I'm watching just by putting my phone in front of the speaker. Um, it's ain't perfect, like you said, but, um, but yeah, it's a great start. And I would expect apples to be better in, in the long run. They just, that's the kind of thing that they seem to be able to, to really, uh, squeak out all the, all the quality they can. Well, a lot of these features are really about the neural engines inside of the new chips. Sure. You know, they, you know, they made a big deal about, you know, these new the M1 and now the M2 processor. It's got CPUs, it's got GPUs, it's got media encoders. It also has these neural processors, right? And the number of them, you know, there's 10, there's 20 and all that. And what are these things used for? Well, you know, of course Apple hopes and and you know that third-party developers are going to use them and certainly they do, especially when it comes to graphics editing, right? Um, but they're using them for this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. the you know the live text, new some of the new dictation features, that's using those new parts of the processor. Um, and I'm sure they have whole software teams that are just like coming up with ideas that now we have these things. And what can right. we do? Another one that they've got in Aventura is the ability to clip um, subjects out of photos. So you actually can go now to a photo in, say, the Photos app or mm-hmm. just anything. And if I bring up the context menu, I can copy image. Right under copy image is copy subject. Mm. And if you hover over the copy subject, it actually does this cool little outline around the subject. So you can see exactly what it thinks is the subject. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you in a photo or your dog or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you select copy subject, go to somewhere else, like a text message, an email, a pages document, whatever it is, and paste. No background. It's just the subject. Interesting. And it works really well. It. I don't think it works really well from like the graphic design standpoint. Like you're not going to be using this to create a magazine cover. Okay. <laughs> you're going to go into the professional tool and, you know, cut out the image and, and fine tune it. But if you like, like the example they showed, if you want to show somebody a picture of your dog, and the background isn't important, you know, it's just the lawn or the yard or something else, you know, mm-hmm. you can go in and say copy subject and you just have the dog paste it into a message to send. And it's just the dog cut out, right? not with right. the background. Right. And it really kind you, once you do it, you know, I've already done it. Uh-huh. Once you do it, you're like, oh, I could see. Yeah, why am I going to send this picture that shows like my yard with the fence and the, you know, the mess that's in the corner of the yard from the artwork I'm doing and all that stuff? I just do copy subject, and there's a picture of my dog. <laughs> it's it's funny. I I am now deciding that I should do that for my uh, my Zoom avatar. 
Yeah. Because if you take a look at my Zoom avatar, it's a picture mm-hmm. of the dog, but the dog's in a crate. Well, it'd be nice to not have the crate there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it works pretty well. I mean, I did, I did a ton of tests and most of the time I got it perfect. Even mm-hmm. when there were two subjects, it, it, t- it gave me both subjects. It was like the two people are, were, were no longer at the restaurant. They were just sitting at a table with nothing behind them. And there didn't need to be anything behind them, right? That right. wasn't the point of seeing the photo. Right, right, right. We're not interested in the what, what was behind them in the restaurant. No, here's a picture. It's got the two people in it. That's great. Um, so, so yeah, really cool stuff. A lot of one one last thing I want to say about the whole event and all is that it's getting really hard for Apple to divide the event up into here's what's new for Mac, iPhone, and iPad because almost all of these features are new to all three. Right. So right. they divided it up into things that kind of made sense, but like when they would show something, it would be like, oh, here's a new thing on the iPhone. And then it, you look and you say, oh, that's new on Mac and iPad too. And then later on, they'd say, here's something new in the Mac. And it's like, that's actually a new feature on the iPhone they didn't even mention. So I don't know if they can keep it up going forward saying, let's divide it up into sections for what's new on each platform. Because they're, you know, really, they need to go and say stuff like that, you know, cutting out the subject and just say, that's a new feature across all our, all of our uh, right. operating systems. Right. So very anyway, cool. exciting stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Vent- Ventura. You said that's targeted. It'll be the fall. It'll be fall. Uh, you know, October. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. Speaking of cool. Yeah. Speaking uh, of cool. Uh, <laughs> on to Ain't It Cool. So um, you've been watching something. Yes. What have you been yes, watching? Yes. Uh, just by, I, we're not quite finished with the first series, but um, uh, there's a series on Amazon Prime called The Tourist. Not to be confused with the movie, the same name. It's got nothing to do with it. It's really cool. It takes place in Australia. Basically, a guy, wake, or a guy uh, has a, in a car accident and he has uh, amnesia. Doesn't remember anything about you know who he is or anything. Mm-hmm. And he's got to kind of cu- uncover what's going on. And there's a bunch of interesting, quirky characters. It has a very Coen Brothers vibe, hmm. like Coen Brothers in Australia. And it's a really cool show. And it's already been renewed for a second season. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool stuff. Okay. Might have to look into that one. Uh, my television time lately has been, uh, I've been excited. I think I, I've mentioned before the the various Star Treks. I've been having fun with those, Strange yeah. New Worlds and so forth. The Orville finally came back um, ah. last week or the week before, I think. We were busy, so we didn't ca- jump on it right away. Um, and that's, I'm just happy to see it again. I, I, oh, yeah. I love I love seeing that. Um, you know, it's basically uh, just another imagining of a future world uh, that is very Star Trek-like without being Star Trek. It pays a lot of homage to uh, to Star Trek without actually being it. And I think, uh, of all things, uh, yeah, he's done a good job with it. I just enjoy watching the show. And yeah. I got to throw an honorable mention out to Stranger Things. We oh, picked yeah. up Stranger I- Things again. Um, we're... Uh, let's see, they, they did a first half of the season and we're caught up on that. Yeah, um, me too. And that looks interesting. It's gotten a little bit of, of, um, uh, negative, uh, press just because some people feel that they're really working hard to come up with a story, but, um, mm. uh, but I'm, you know, and it's the, what somebody said, 
Um, it's the one of the old tropes where you're at the end of a season and the character has died, and then you start a new season. And clearly, they didn't expect the new season because whoops, the new character that a character that died. Well, he didn't really die, you know, um, which which happens apparently frighteningly often. But anyway, so far it's been interesting. I'm, I'm really interested to see where they take the second half of the season and, and uh, where all the various characters will end up. Yeah, I can. Uh, well, Stranger Things, yes. And also, I can't wait to watch the new season of The Orville. Just got to, uh, boy, it seems like a bunch of stuff just came out all at once. Yes. Um, and, yes, uh, so. you know, new things to watch all, all of a sudden. Yeah, which is which is funny because in years past, summer was always a dead time. But now it's like, okay, it's another nope. season. Yeah. Let's start on something. And Orville was particularly um, interesting so only because uh, they uh, basically there was so long between uh, the second and third seasons, uh, mostly because of COVID and it changed platforms and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was uh, very nice, very nice to get back. Cool. All righty. Uh, this week, I want to point folks at uh, what happens at Windows 10 end of support. It's a common question. Uh, Windows 10 is going to be around for a while. Um, I mean, literally years. We're like two and a half years from Windows 10's formal final end of support date. But um, it is a question that I get often specifically because Windows 11 exists, right? What's going to happen with Windows 10? Um, the real question you should be asking is what's not going to happen uh, at Windows 10 end of support. Anyway, that's askleo.com slash 145971. Cool. And I'll be, I'll be posting videos almost like every other video I'm going to do for a little while. It's going to be on new stuff. Uh, in, in Mac OS Ventura and also not really like things you can practically use right now, but just kind of a look ahead to what's coming. And the it's first one of those, trailer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first one of those is, uh, you know, on the new system preferences redesign. So I did a video on that and uh, you can check that out now at the site. Cool. You can see some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. Yep. All righty. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for another week. The show notes are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh165. And of course, if you've got a comment or a question, you can leave a comment over at the show notes page. We get them. Thanks as always for listening, and we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.